Well, today we're going to take a break from our series in Matthew. Uh, we're going to pick that up again in the gym next week. But for today, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. So if you turn there in your Bible or scroll there on your phone, however you need to get there. And today I'm freaking out a little bit because I don't have a PowerPoint. And I'm not actually sure if I'm physically capable of preaching without a PowerPoint. We'll find out. I do see there's a white screen behind me. Would have been nice to know. I could have tried to pull something off. But we're going to roll. We're going to walk in the spirit. So today I wanted to tell you a story about a little boy named Steve. Steve was born into a difficult world of drugs and abandonment. Steve never knew his birth father. And he was thrown into the foster system by the age of two. One foster family that didn't have the means to adopt him, but kindly said that they'd bring him in until he found his forever family, uh, did just that for a couple of years. Now, imagine being Steve, a scared little five-year-old who's never known someone that he could truly call mommy or daddy. What's going to happen to him? Where is he going to go? Who's going to protect him? Who will love him? What hope does he have for today, and, and what confidence does he have for tomorrow? And like Steve, you and I, we find ourselves born into a world of uncertainty, a world of chaos, a world of fear, of broken relationship, a, a world of abandonment. And where do we find our hope for today? Where do we find our confidence for tomorrow? In the Bible, there's this old man who had seen a lot of life. He had seen a lot of this insecurity and, and hopelessness that little Steve knew. In fact, he himself walked with Jesus when he was much younger, when Jesus was here dwelling in the flesh among us. And, and now in the twilight of his life, before he reunites with that Jesus, he wrote this beautiful letter as an aged pastor that he passes around to some churches that he loves very much, wants to warn them, but he also wants to reassure them. In fact, this old man starts this section endearingly with the title, Little Children. This is the Apostle John. In 1 John 2, 28, this is at the end of the chapter, he says, And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. So John says... How do we have confidence when the man, the, the, the Jesus that this man knows so well comes back? Well, he tells us in verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. John seems to think that this confidence has something to do with who Jesus is and, and being tied to him by birth and, and by the way that we live. This is sort of a reunion Sunday for us. This is the first time we've done one large in-person gathering since September 9th, 2018. It's almost two years ago since we went to two services and, and then we had a, a virus sweep through. And we're still in transition mode, but what a sweet thing in the midst of uncertain times to be together. Amen. And whether we're here on the live stream or, or here at the cow paddied ranch, it is good. It is good. Not all of them. Not, not all of them. There you go. Hey, last I checked, a sermon was a monologue. Okay. <laughs> I was expecting to hear from the cows, but you never. It's also Father's Day, which some of you are like, oh, that's right. And grab a card and a flannel shirt on the way home at Fred Meyer. That's cool. That's totally cool. Um, now, this is fitting because 
John's answer to our question of where our hope and our confidence is, it lies in reunion with our Father. And like Steve, what hope and confidence do we have as little children? Well, just like for little Steve, we need a new good daddy. The big idea is that our hope for today and confidence for tomorrow lies in looking to our Father and looking like our Father. So if you're following along in your notes, got some blanks to fill in. Number one, the children of God look to, T-O, look to their Father. Now, God as Father doesn't necessarily conjure up the best image for all of us. Some of us have had a difficult Father road, and, and it conjures up a perfect image for none of us. But notice what he says in chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. What kind of love? You see, the Father has shown us a love unlike any other father has shown any other child. We sang just now about a God who is holy. That word means set apart, unique, different than anybody else. You can't compare the Father's love for us with any other love that any other father has shown any other child. So what kind of love is this? J.I. Packer says there's two yardsticks that we can use to measure the love. And again, in your notes, the first gift, the first measuring stick is the gift of sonship, the gift of sonship. This is an adoptive love, the gift of sonship, which is an adoptive love. Verse one, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. When Steve was five, a new potential forever family set up a date with him at a local McDonald's. They invited Steve to come and live with him. And they showed him his potential new bedroom that would be all his own. And they even had a pool. Not at the McDonald's. This was back at their house. Um, that would be a cool McDonald's. The greatest love that Steve could have ever been shown was for someone to invite him into their own family. Not just set them up for a, him for a successful life. Here's some money. Here's a diploma. Here's a career. He needed a home someone that would look him in the eye and say, I want you to be my son. And that's how you measure God's love for us. Like Steve, we were born spiritual orphans with no defense for our sin, no one to protect us from the wrath of God, no future to smile about, no hope for today and, and no confidence for tomorrow when he came back. And, and this is how we know how much God loves us. He doesn't just say, I'm going to help you chart a course so that you can live a better life. You don't have to go to hell, but you better behave. And with a twinkle in his eye, he says, I want to be your father. And I want you to be my son. I want you to come live with me. I want you to laugh with me and cry with me. I want you to eat with me. I want you to walk through eternity with me. This is not just a religion. This is a relationship. And the greatest gift of love that can ever be given is one's self. The second measuring stick is the cross. The first one was the gift of sonship, and the second one's the cross. This is the means to adopt. This is a sacrificial love. He shows us a kind of love that's adoptive. He shows us a kind of love that's sacrificial. See, unlike Steve, who was abandoned by his father, we were the ones that turned our back on God. But the father demonstrated his love for us in the most incredible way possible. He sacrificed his one and only son so that we, the wretched, rebellious enemies, could be called his children too. 
Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still rebels, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us in our place. In 1 John 4, Grandpa John, two chapters later, he says, in this, the love of God was made manifest. It means made visible. We saw it with skin on that God sent his only son, his unique holy son into the world. Why? So that we might live through him. Through his death comes life for us. And this is the apex. This is the the pinnacle, the high point of his grace and his love. We're going to sing it. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measuring, no measuring stick can measure his love. That he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. You imagine if Steve's new parents had to sacrifice one of their own children in order to adopt him. Now, of course, they didn't do that. All analogies break down at some point, but... They did make the, the sacrifices that, that good parents make. They brought him in, and they gave him their emotions, they gave him their time, their resources, their money, their homes, their, their lives, as the father and son did for us. Now, number two, the children of God look like their father. See, the first thing is we look, we look to the father, And the second thing is we look like the father. See, uh, if I had a PowerPoint for you, I'd love to show you. Steve's family picture is hilarious. Steve's a natural ginger, and no one else in his adopted family is. So he sticks out like a red sore thumb. So you have this beautiful family lineup. These fell out of a J.C. Penney catalog, blondes and brunettes. Teeth so straight, you could use them like a plumb line. And in the middle, blonde, brunette, blonde, brunette. That boy is on fire. He certainly didn't look like his father. Certainly doesn't look like the rest of his family physically. Steve's father is also a very godly man. He's, he's the man that has integrity. And he's one of those, he's tender but strong. So like he's going to cry when his wa- he's walking his daughter down the aisle. But if you mess with him, he's going to break your face. Monologue, Blair, monologue. Steve's now 13, and sufficient to say he's a growing teenager. He's yet to look and act totally like his own father. And I'm sure there are times when Steve thinks, am I really a part of this family? Should I be a part of this family? Can I be a part of this family? We look at our passage's third measuring stick of God's love. It's his purifying promise. Purifying promise. This is a transforming love, if you're filling in the blanks. It's a transforming love through his purifying promise. Verse 1, Grandpa John says that we are declared children of God. Notice he says that we should be called children of God, and so we are. See, called in the Bible, it's a word that indicates what we actually are. doesn't matter if you don't look like it fully yet. If you are adopted, if you are called a son or a daughter of the king, that's what you are. That is the truest thing about you. That's your real identity. But aren't there seasons in our lives where it does not feel true? Where the sin feels so strong? Where our resistance can feel so weak? Or our conscience can burn. And maybe it's just feeling lazy or complacent and sort of just drifting. And we look nothing like the Father at times. And we certainly don't always act like him. But look at me. Listen. The ground of our adoption assurance 
It does not lie in our ability to look like the Father. It doesn't lie in our loveliness on our own, but in the fact that he loved us despite our unloveliness. The ground of my confidence is nothing in me, but completely in the work of Christ on my behalf. God declared us his children. Christ did it. And if you believe it, that settles it. Christ died for me while I was an unlovely, rebellious wretch. God the Father declared me his child in Christ, and therefore so I am, and so you are. Romans 8, maybe the greatest chapter in the Bible, it talks about this adoption of sons where the Holy Spirit through us cries out, Abba, Daddy, Father, and he says we are co-heirs with Christ. You know what that means? Everything that Jesus has inherited from the Father, which is everything, is now ours and his. And then he says, if this God is for us, who can be against us? If he adopted us as his children while we were his enemies, while we were rebelling, he says, now that you're his child, do you think anything can separate you from him? He says, he says I don't, even, if when you're, even when you're being led like sheep to the slaughter, we can have this confidence that nothing as high as you go, nothing as low as you go, nothing in your past, nothing in your future can separate you from the love of God in Jesus. Amen. Behold what manner. The, the, the central, in fact, the only command in our little passage here, the action item is the first word of chapter three. See, behold, gaze or look at the Father's love. And yeah, there are times when we need to look within. There are times when we need to evaluate our own growth, our own obedience to the Father. But our longest, deepest, most frequent gaze needs to be outward and upward, not inward and backward. Behold the love of God in Jesus. And this is the amazing part, that looking to the Father will cause us to look like the Father. He transforms the unlovely. He changes us red-headed teenagers, which God loves. He thinks that reds are good-looking too, by the way, and he thinks teenagers are meh. That one killed with the seven under crowd. Now, this is not just our a security in our identity, who we're called. This is also security in our destiny, where we're going. Verse 2, notice what he says. Beloved, we are God's children now. So that's our identity security. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, not if he appears, we shall be, not might be, like him. Because we shall be, see him, not might see him, as he is. Do you hear that promise language? It says one day he will come back and we will look like our father. Now the pilgrimage is long and it's a roller coaster. But the destination for the true child of God is set in stone. Grandpa John shows us a mirror into the future. He says this is what you will look like when you're all grown up. If we refuse to believe this promise, the issue isn't just doubt. It's, it's actually disobedience. It's unbelief. He's calling us to abide here. Believe this. Do you believe the gospel? If we believe the gospel, we're going to put our hands over our mouth and we're going to hear his words. I adopted you in ink, not in pencil. I put you into my will in ink, not in pencil. And nothing, nothing will ever change that. I will never, ever let you go. 
and it's a transforming love. Now, not, not just in the future, but notice what he says in verse three. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This hope in the future gives us a purifying transformation right now. See, as, as Steve grows, he starts to look more like his new family. In fact, his old family wouldn't even recognize him, especially if he dyes that hair. The end of verse one, it says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. You see, we're called into a new family of light and love. No longer in that the old family, the old world of abandonment and abuse and cruelty and, and, and a severe lack of love. And the same world that turned its back on Jesus, the same world that killed him, will not treat those kindly who look like him, act like him, and spread his message. The rejection of the father, the rejection of his son, means we will also, as his siblings, experience the same reception from the world. But when Steve was adopted into this loving family, it charted a whole new course for his life. The love of his new parents would transform him. And, and this involves discipline, right? This involves his new father saying, son, I love you. But in our family, we don't act like that. Or time out, whatever you're going to do. The heart and the goal of our father's parenting is be like me. The, the father's love. Who, who is the father? He's good. He's pure. He's loving, he's sacrificial, he's generous. And he calls his children to bear the family resemblance. And the more we look like him, the more we act like him, the sweeter and the deeper the relationship goes. Now, it took Steve a while to develop in this kind of intimacy with his new parents, and he's very much in progress still. And at first, he would not call them mom and dad to their faces. He would talk about them. He would say, yeah, the mom told me to come inside. The dad told me to do this. But Steve's new father wrote a, a letter to extended family and close friends that talks about this transformation that happened with Steve. This is the day of his adoption. It says, there were 28 of us in the courtroom. Including family, friends, and Steve's classmates from school, which surprised the judge quite a bit. He had all of the families sitting at tables where the attorneys and plaintiffs and defendants sit. The two tables were pushed together. It seemed symbolic somehow. We went to Jamba Juice for a round of celebratory smoothies and carrot cake cupcakes afterward with little hearts glued to the toothpicks stuck in them. My favorite was Steve's. It said Superman was adopted. Steve's been with us eight months now. He's been calling Laura and me. He's been calling us mom and dad for about seven of those. And I think he has known that he is home for good for about that long as well. So it was a little anticlimactic to go to the court to make it all legal. Steve says, we went to the government to get me adopted. It occurs to me that the government was really just finally catching up with what God had already accomplished and planned from before time. I had to catch a nap after we got home from the government because of a late shift that afternoon. 
when I got up, there was hammering outside. There's always hammering outside when Steve is at home. Steve came in to get a drink and greeted me a little differently than usual. The words were the same, but he was gratuitously confident in posture and tone. And he gave me a knowing smile. I think if he knew how to wink, he would have. Hi, Dad. Hi, son. And by the way, if you caught any of those details, Steve's not just a fictional character for my sermon illustration. He's real. And he's now my brother-in-law. He's Jill's adopted brother. His fam forever family is mine, too. The guy he calls dad, I call, well, I call him sir, right? That's the, of course, yeah, no. And back at that McDonald's, after the Whipperman had showed Steve his new house, he was given the choice of whether or not he wanted them to be his family. It was up to him if and when he would move in with them. And like Steve, the choice is ours. Each of us is faced with a choice. Do you trust the Father's offer of identity, of security, of sonship through his sacrifice to transform you as his child. And if we choose, if you choose by faith, we found our forever family and that holy transcendent God that we just sang of, we can also say, hi, dad. And he says, hi, son, hi, daughter. 